Praise the Lord. Good morning. Good morning. Father God, we thank you. Wonderful opportunity to be in your house. Lord, to worship you and to praise you. And thank you for the blessings that we have received this week. Even the storms and even the trials, the valleys that we have experienced. We sit here this morning worshiping you and praising you because you brought us through once again. You are at our right hand. And as we wait upon you, Lord, you will renew our strength and restore our soul. In Jesus' name, amen. I'd like to speak to you for a few minutes on a very important subject. The healing center of the community. The healing center of the community. In Joshua chapter 20 and verse 1, the Lord also spake unto Joshua, saying, Speak to the children of Israel, saying, Appoint out for you cities of refuge, whereof I spake unto you by the hand of Moses. In the book of Numbers, chapter 35 and verse 13 and 14, And of these cities, which you shall give six cities, shall you have for refuge. You shall give three cities on this side of the Jordan, and three cities shall you give in the land of Canaan, which shall be cities of refuge. We've heard about sanctuary cities in America. And sanctuary cities in America are totally different than the cities of refuge that God set up in the Old Testament. Sanctuary cities of today are hiding felons and people who commit heinous crimes and break the law. These cities of refuge that God created in the Old Testament were special. It was the healing center of the community for many people. After the Jewish people successfully invaded Canaan and the land was divided, God spoke a few things and he said this. God commanded the children of Israel to appoint certain cities for refuge and safety. And these cities were to be places of protection and relief. These cities were to be places of assistance and not harassment. These cities were to be places of comfort and not irritation. And Joshua wrote these words through the power of the Holy Spirit in Joshua 20 and 4. And when he had doth flee unto one of those cities, shall stand at the entering of the gate of the city, and shall declare his cause in the ears of the elders of that city. They shall take him into the city unto them, and give him a place that he may dwell among them. Now what was God speaking to the children of Israel in the Old Testament? Who were these people that were coming to the city gate? And who were the elders that were escorting them to certain places? Number one, anyone who accidentally murdered someone was given a place to live. Listen to the word, accidentally. These cities were for those who made mistakes. These cities were for those who were under great stress. These cities were for those who needed a place to recover. 
their self-worth, their self-esteem, and their purpose for living. These cities were for those who needed protection from the Avengers. Does that sound familiar to you this morning? Sounds like a church. It sounds like in the Old Testament, God was creating an atmosphere and an environment of sacredness and safety for people to come and worship God in spirit and in truth. Can this be possible today is the question. Do we have cities of refuge? And where can people go? Supposedly to the church, which should be the healing center of the community. What is a church? Let's talk about that for a moment. A church is a refuge where we can be truthful about what's going on in our lives. A place is a place, a, a church is a place where we can tell our troubles to God and to those we trust. It's a place where we can be loved. It's a place where your bleeding wounds can be healed. So where do people usually go? They usually go to a fake church, a false church, which is a bar. The bartender is the pastor. Bars are very successful. They're counterfeit churches. They're counterfeit fellowships. But many people flock to it because they're accepted in the bar. The bartender is the pastor. And he listens especially to people that have been hurt. And after a couple of drinks, people start to expand their heart and give their heart to the bartender like he's some sacred pastor. And he's listening. And he's going to listen as long as he can take that bottle and continue to fill the glass of the bartender's church members. Hmm. Think about that for a minute. Instead of dispensing grace, he gives you booze. Instead of dispensing health, he ministers death. Woe unto him that gives his neighbor strong drink. That's what the word says. So churches should be shelters for those in time of trouble. Churches should be hospitals for sick people. What drives people to seek for shelter? What drives people to seek refuge for their hurting soul? What drives people to a safe place? What drives people to seek protection and secrecy? This is the question and questions that we must answer. The psalmist said, and David wrote in Psalm 31 and verse 1, and look at the psalm, and it says this. We're trying to answer the question of why do people seek shelter? He said, O Lord, do I put my trust let me never be ashamed. Deliver me in thy righteousness and bow down thine ear to me and deliver me speedily. Be thou my strong rock for a house of defense to save me. For thou art my rock and my fortress. Therefore, for thy name's sake, lead me and guide me. When David spoke of a refuge, he was talking about a safe place. He was talking about a place of protection and a place of secrecy. And David knew that he could go to the Lord for that because he knew the Lord was his rock and his fortress. And he knew the Lord 
was his lead and his guide. Psalm 31 verse 9 reads this. David is crying out to God. He's bringing his heart, his bleeding wounds to the Lord. And he's saying, have mercy upon me, O Lord, for I am in trouble. My eye is consumed with grief. Yea, my soul and my belly. For my life is spent with grief and my years with sighing. My strength faileth because of mine iniquity and my bones are consumed. This doesn't sound like a man that's faking it. This doesn't sound like a man that's hiding behind a fig leaf, behind a tree hiding from God. He's hurting. He's wounded. He's a person that needs healing and restoration. And this should be the goal and the aim of the Christian church in America. It should become the healing center of the community. It should be a place where people can go and find that sacred place and that refuge in God and find brothers and sisters with like faith who would accept someone with tears, with sorrow, with brokenness, with happiness, with success, with failure, whatever that person is experiencing and love them as Jesus loves them. Hmm. What's trouble? David mentions trouble. It's grief and it's distress. And David cried an honest admission. He was experiencing dark, lonely days. And he was saying, Lord, help me. I'm hurting. We must become honest with God, my friends. We must express to God our emotions and our feelings and not stuff it. It reminds me of the garbage pail under the sink in your kitchen. And sometimes we get lazy about taking out the garbage. And so we put one more thing in that bag. One more thing. And one more thing. Until someone gets sick and tired of being sick and tired of one more thing in the garbage bag. And says, this must be emptied and taken out to the trash. You know, sometimes we got to get sick and tired of being sick and tired of the garbage that comes against us and not accept it, but express it to God and say, you know what, God, don't let me be ashamed. Don't let your name be sullied and soiled. Don't let your reputation be taken down because of what the enemy is doing to me. Give me a refuge. Give me a fortress. Give me a castle that I can go into, praise God, and hide in the secret place of the Most High God. Can you say amen? amen. In Psalm 31.10, he talks about grief. And that means he was provoked to anger and he was vexed. And that's exactly what's happening to us. We're being provoked to anger and we're being vexed. The Supreme Court just ruled five to four in Utah or Colorado in a mega church that only 50 people can attend that church at one time. Wait a minute. Who's the government to tell us how many people could come to church? This is persecution. This is coming against the sacred place where people go to find relief. You're denying people entrance into the house of God. You're denying people entrance into a sacred place where they can share their heart instead of taking their life by suicide in their homes. 
And not to get political, but we can have thousands of people in the street wrecking people's businesses. And we're not worried about that. But we're worried about people coming to the house of God like we've got some plague and like we're a bunch of lepers. But I'm here to tell you, we're children of God. We're the chosen of God. We're the anointed of God. We're the peculiar people of God. And it's time that God's people stand up and say no more. It's bordering on insanity that nine people can meet in a room with black robes and tell people, grandma and grandpas and moms and dads and sons and daughters, you can't go to church this week. There's something wrong with that, my friend. And that holds for all religions. I'm a Christian. But we can't persecute people because of their religion. And we can't deny them entrance to their faith place. But they picked on the Christian church. Yes, they did. They picked on the Christian church. And that should send a message to the body of Christ and to the leaders of our groups and denominations and those that are supposedly in high places to speak out and say, no, it's not right. We should be able to come into the house of God and find relief for our souls. Where else can we go, my friend? We've been delivered from the bars. We've been delivered from the nightclubs. We've been delivered from the world. We're not trying to cause no problem for people. All we want to do is come to the house of God and praise our God and worship our God and raise our hands to God and hear a truthful message from the word of God. What are we asking for? We're not asking for money. We're not asking for government assistance. All we're asking for is our freedom to worship our God. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. And I don't think there's anything wrong with a pastor saying that, praise God. If it goes on YouTube, I don't care where it goes. It's a matter of principle. David was provoked to anger. His bones were being consumed. He was failing and wasting away. And in Psalm 31, 11, it says, I was a reproach among all my enemies. We've become a reproach. But especially among my neighbors and a fear to my acquaintance, they that did see me without fled from me. I am forgotten as a dead man out of mind. I am like a broken vessel, for I have heard the slander of many. Fear was on every side while they took counsel together against me. They devised to take away my life. This sounds like a man that's broken. This sounds like a man that needs God to minister to him. This sounds like a man that needs restoration. He said, I became a reproach, which means he was ridiculed. Aren't we? (laughs) He was rejected. Aren't we? People fled from him because he loved God. And he became a gossip victim because he said, I have heard the slander of many. They were talking about him like he was doing something wrong because he wanted to approach God and go to the house of God and worship his God. And he was threatened. They schemed to take away his life. What kind of 
people are these? What kind of ungodly monsters and demonic forces are they yielding to that they would desire to shut down the Christian church in America? In a society where we have become dehumanized, in a society where we have become a number, in a society where we become a form to fill out. We need healing centers. We need a place of refuge. We don't need any more stained glass ghettos that offer no shelter, no help, no healing, no solutions or no truth. We need churches, praise God, that's based on the word of God where people have freedom, where the spirit of the Lord is there is liberty. A famous man by the name of Patrick Henry stood up and it was like thunder when he gave his speech. Give me liberty or give me death. And it was thundered because it was a voice that stood for freedom from a king that was unruly toward the people who taxed them out of their pocketbooks and was trying to restrict religious freedom in this country. Men died. Men shed their blood. Blacksmiths, storekeepers, bankers, farmers took up arms as George Washington led the army to gain freedom from a king of England. The Black Robe Brigade in New England, look it up, were pastors, praise God, who wore a black robe, but underneath there was a uniform. And they mobilized their men, praise God, to fight for freedom. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. It comes a time, my friend, when we must stand up and say, God, help us. God, send your power. God, send your anointing. God, divide the seas. And Lord, send your thunder and lightning. Praise God upon those that are opposing the Christian church and our way of living and our way of worshiping. We need churches where the people are a habitation of God through the Spirit. Hear what I'm saying. We don't need no dead stained glass ghettos anymore. We need men of God behind pulpits, women of God. We need people to rise up. We need the prophets and the prophetesses to rise up and say no more. It's time for us to proclaim our gifts in the Lord. It's time for us to minister unto one another. And to the hurting world that desires to come through that church door. We don't know what people are experiencing. We don't know what's going on in their homes. We have no idea. We have not walked in their shoes for two or three miles. But I'll tell you this. Most people come to church to find relief. Most people come to church to find restoration. Most people come to church to find love. Most people come to church to find truth. And it's time we give it to them. 
Instead of being a bunch of mamby-pambies behind the pulpit and reading from Time Magazine or Newsweek. It's fake news, my friend. It's time to read from the Word of God and teach the whole Bible, the full gospel of Jesus Christ. I'm sick and tired of apologetic preachers. I'm sick and tired of people giving 10-minute sermonettes that say nothing. I'm tired of hearing ministers that act like they're some college professor and we're a bunch of dummies so you should be taking notes. Let me tell you something. When you got the spirit of God in you, you're not a dummy. I said when you have the spirit of God in you, God has done a work in you. That's why the early church and people looked at the disciples walking the earth and they knew they were just fishermen and different people from walks of life of blue collar workers and so on. But they said they've been with Jesus. Praise God. They've been with Jesus. And when you're with Jesus, you have some wisdom and knowledge about you. Let's expand our definition of cities of refuge. When a man was in trouble seeking help, he came to these cities of refuge where his case was heard by the elders. Three things basically happened. The elders would take that person and escort them. And that person would be judged, and we're gonna be judged by the word. That person would be delivered if they accidentally murdered someone or hurt someone, they were free from their sin and their guilt. And number three, they were restored like we were restored in the image and likeness of God through the born again experience. These cities provided relief from sin. These cities provided protection from the curse of the law. These cities provided protection from the wrath of God. And those of us that have been to the refuge called Jesus Christ, those of us that have been to the rock, those of us that have been to the fortress, we can now say, as Paul said in the book of Romans, chapter 8 and verse 1, there is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. I am free, I am free, I am free, because I have come to the city of refuge and his name is Jesus. It reminds me of a story of a pastor and a young boy who had an old rusted birdcage with a bird in it. And the preacher was on his way to church and he said to that boy, he said, what are you going to do with that, uh, that bird in that birdcage, son? Ah, he said, it's an old bird. He said, it don't mean nothing. And the pastor said, well, son, suppose I give you $2 for that birdcage and that bird. Would you take the $2 so I could take the birdcage and the bird? <laughs> he said, pastor, that's, that's a good deal for me. It's a bad one for you. It's just an old rusted birdcage with a bird in it. That bird don't mean nothing. But I'll take the $2 if you want the birdcage and you can have the bird. He went to church and he preached about the birdcage. 
He preached how we were the bird in the bird cage. That's right. Rest the old bird cage. Set us free. Come on. Some of us were no rest the old bird cage, weren't we? That's right. <laughs> but he said, you know what I did with that bird? The fresh air and the sunshine and the breeze blowing in the trees and the leaves are moving. He said, I opened the door to that bird cage and I let that bird out and I can always hear the bird say, I'm free, I'm free, I'm free. And praise God, I'm free, I'm free. And you're free by the power and the blood of Jesus Christ. We are free, my friend. Nobody's got anything on us. We owe no man nothing. That's what Paul was saying. I don't owe no man nothing. Because I finally got it. I'm free from condemnation. I'm free from guilt. I'm free from shame. I am free. I'm a bird that's been let out of a rusty bird cage. These cities provided a dwelling place for those in need. It reminds me of Psalm 91 and verse 1. He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I will trust. Surely He shall deliver thee from the snare of the fowl and from the noise and pestilence. He shall cover thee with His feathers and under His wings shalt thou trust. His truth shall be thy shield and buckler. Thou shalt not be afraid for the terror by night, nor for the arrow that flyeth by the day, nor for the pestilence that walketh in darkness, for the destruction that wasted at noonday. A thousand shall fall at thy side, and ten thousand at thy right hand, but it shall not come nigh thy dwelling, saith the Lord. Hallelujah. God is my refuge. God is my secret place. God is my fortress. God is my buckler. God is my shield. And I'm not ashamed to preach the gospel of the good news of Jesus Christ and praise my God. I came out of bondage. I came out of sin. I came out of a prison sentence. I came out of death row. The least I can do is praise my God. I said my reasonable service is at least to praise my God. As I said this morning, you're not on a ventilator, thank God. You got food, you got raiment, you got a house to live in. You're not in a hospital, you're not in a wheelchair. And for those of you that are, that are listening to this message on YouTube, I pray in the name of Jesus Christ that you come out of that wheelchair. I pray in the name of Jesus Christ you throw those crutches away. I pray in the name of Jesus Christ that God will restore you off that ventilator. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, by his stripes you are healed. These cities were easy to get to. Listen. The Bible said, Thou shalt prepare thee away. It was the elders' duty to prepare roads to each city of refuge. 
and keep them in repair. Roads were to be wide enough and bridges were to be made over all rivers and proper signs put up so a person knew he was on the right road. And the signs read, Refuge. Students of the law accompanied the man and protected him. We should have easy access to the house of God. We should not have government restraints against the people of God. We should have easy access to the house of the Lord. It's our faith. It's our salvation. It's our way of living. And it's being curtailed by a group of people who think they know better than God. And in the end, I have bad news for them. I have very sad and sorrowful news for them. That God is going to laugh at the calamity in their day. And he is going to laugh at them. And I have some more bad news for them. Because the Bible says at least one time, every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord and they will say it because God will make them say it. You might deny my God now in that little private room of yours. You might deny God behind your black robe. You might deny God in your governmental orders and regulations. But you will not deny God on that day when he causes your knee to bow and your tongue to confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. In Christ we have easy access. As the elders prepare those cities of refuge for people to come for protection. The Bible says in John 14 and 6, And Jesus said unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. What does that mean? Jesus is the only way. Hey, listen. This world doesn't care if you preach about God. They don't give one care if you preach about God. But when you begin to mention the name of Jesus, they get all verklempt. They get all twisted. They get all turned around and perplexed because the pastor is naming the name of Jesus. Whereby there's only one name under heaven. Whereby man can be saved. Hallelujah. And it's the name of Jesus Christ. And they hate that name. They've tried to burn Bibles. They've tried to take crosses down from churches. They've burned churches. But you cannot burn out the cross in the hearts of God's people. Hallelujah. Because we're saved by the blood of Jesus Christ. You can kill ten, but there's a hundred behind them. You can burn every Bible, but they're putting it to memory. Hear me. God will raise up a remnant in the last day that will do miracles on the doorstep of the devil. Praise God and make him angry. It's time the church arise, my friends. I said it's time we spend more time with God and wait upon Him and stop pampering ourselves and giving ourselves an easy pass 
It's time to stand up and get tough, my friends. It's time to become hard-skinned. Hallelujah. It's time. It's time. We pamper ourselves in America. It's time to rise up and say, Hallelujah. Let's fight the great fight of faith. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Don't stay home because you got a little headache. Don't stay home because you got an ingrown toenail. Don't stay home because of this or that. It's time, my friend. Come to church like you go to work. Come to church like you're going to work. People. Pity parties. Excuses. Top ten list. Of why I can't come to the house of God today. Hallelujah. One of these days people are going to come to this house of God. And they're going to knock on the door. And the door might be open. But there'll be no preacher. There'll be no members. There'll be no music. There'll be no drummer. There'll be no guitarist. There'll be no piano player. There'll be no singers. Why? Because we're gone. Hallelujah. And it's too late. We're a dollar late. And praise God, a dollar short. People, Romans 5.1, therefore being justified by faith, not because of I'm a good guy. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. My God, we can't praise God knowing these verses. can't lift our hands and praise a God that caused your heart to continue beating through the night and woke you up this morning. What's wrong with people? What kind of demonic holding does the devil have on people's minds to make them even think that, oh, I shouldn't do that? That's embarrassing. Embarrassing. Lord have mercy. Embarrassing to worship God? David said to his wife, goodbye. Michael, goodbye. I'm going to dance before the Lord. And she hung out the window. And David went like this and said, you know what, honey? Goodbye. Goodbye. Because I'm going to worship God. Because the ark of the covenant is back in our power. And it's back in our presence. And you're not going to stop. Go find somebody else. And she did. It's time to draw a line in the sand. To stop pleading with people. Stop pleading with people. I say, this is it, my friend. This is the moment. This is our hour of visitation. And you will not hold me back. Praise God. If you want to stay in the dust somewhere, stay there. I'm moving into the light. These cities of refuge were upon hills. Listen to this. What comfort came to a man's heart. When he saw his destination at hand and he reached the mountain or hill of safety, sinners will be comforted when they see the church as a city on a hill. Matthew 5.14 says, you are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Praise God. The Levites, praise God in those cities, provided teaching and instruction, the knowledge of the law. The Levites provided comfort and encouragement and welcomed those in need. This is the, go- the job of a gospel minister. Many don't want to be bothered anymore. 
Many don't want to make the sacrifice. This is the vocation that you're called to. And if you're not called to it, just stay home. Don't even think about it. Don't even enter the door. Because the powers of evil will come against you like you have no idea. Because the enemy is always trying to take out a leader and an under-shepherd. And the warfare is intense. Not only for the pastor, but for the pastor's wife and for his family. It's intense. And it's hard to explain to people, as our pastors to say, you cannot explain ministry to church members because they don't really fully understand. But it's a war. It's a war in your mind, even when you're preaching. It's a war that says, don't say that. That's recorded. That's on tape. I know that. I know that. I have only one life to live. And only what I do for Christ is going to count, my friend. And I'm speaking truth here. I'm not speaking nonsense. I'm not speaking foolishness. I'm speaking truth. It's time to be a watchman. It's time to climb the tower. It's time, hallelujah, to warn the people. And hallelujah, that the trumpet is going to sound. It's time, my friend, hallelujah, to get in God's army, hallelujah, and get where, praise God, the Calvary can be seen. Cities of refuge. 2 Timothy 2.1 Therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that's in Christ Jesus. And the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men, faithful men and women, who shall be able to teach others also. Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Do you know when enemies were taken prisoner and a chaplain was among them, they killed the chaplain first. That's who they killed first, the man of God. Because he was the hope giver. He spoke into the spirit of soldiers that were captured by the enemy. And a good pastor will speak into the spirit of those that have been captured by the enemy to bring them to Christ so they can be free by the power and the blood and the name of Jesus. Because we have some that we love that are in enemy lines. They're being held captive by demonic spirits. They're being subdued by the powers of evil. And it's going to be our prayers and our fastings before God and that's going to increase as the time comes that they ridicule us even more and persecute the church even more and try to put the kibosh on the house of God. We're going to have to press in to the presence of Almighty God. We're going to have to come into the very throne room with grace and boldness and speak to our God. But when you get there, my friend, you're going to hear a voice that's going to speak to you. And he's going to say, it is well with your soul. You're going to hear a voice that says, I am restoring my church. You're going to hear a voice that says, thou art healed by the power, hallelujah, and the blood of Jesus Christ. Thou hast been made free by the power of God and through the cross of Jesus. Hallelujah. We are soldiers in the army of the Lord. Yes. Yes. Cities of refuge provided government, good government, 
rules and regulations to live by. Safety and security as long as you live by the rules. Go outside the borders of the city and you are in danger. Go outside this book, the word of God, and you're in danger and you're in trouble. Don't matter what your opinion is. It don't matter what your theology is. It doesn't matter what your grandmother taught you that was false. It doesn't matter what that church taught you that wasn't based on the word of God. Go outside the book and your umbrella of protection folds up. And you're in trouble. Hey, trouble's going to come to all of us. But I want the umbrella open. Hear me. I said I want the umbrella open. The winds are going to come. And the rains are going to come, but I want the umbrella of God open in my life because I know this, that every storm shall pass. Every hurricane dims its way down to no wind. Every rainstorm dims its way down to no more raindrops. Every snowfall dims its way down to no more snowflakes falling on the earth that day. Come on, hear what I'm saying, my friend. The storms will come, but they will pass. This too shall pass. Hallelujah. Because we can say, as the woman in the Old Testament, it is well with my soul. It is well. She had a son that was dead in the room of the prophet laying upon his bed. And she got on a horse and she told the man beside her, her worker, don't do no slack for me. Because this old woman could ride this horse. I got a man of God to go to. And I got a question to ask him. Why is my son dead upon your bed in my house? She rode there. And the prophet said, It's the woman that we prophesied that she would have a baby. How are you? It is well with my soul. How could she say that? Because she saw something that other people will never see. She saw beyond the veil. And she saw beyond death. Come on, my friend. And the prophet sent his servant to Hazi and said, Go lay the staff on the boy. Oh, no, my friend. No, 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 no. No, when you call for the man of God, you want the real deal. Hallelujah. Come on, my friend. I say you want the real deal. Hallelujah. I've been called to many a church hospital. Hallelujah. And I'm not putting down Baptist or Methodist. But they said send the Pentecostal preacher and bring that bottle of oil with you. So he can anoint me with oil. Because I know the man of God got a healing in his hand that Jesus has put there. Send the preacher who's Pentecostal. And when you're dying, you want somebody to pray for a healing in the name of Jesus. Not some lullaby, sleepy prayer. Oh God, do thy will and send him to his grave. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Won't say no cutie prayers over me. I remember our pastor had a little problem with the heart. He did so many drugs and so much alcohol, they said he had the heart of an old, old man. He never knew it by the way he preached. One day, he ended up in the hospital because he never knew how to stop. 
but a man came up. Mr. Ed Dobbins, tall man, a giant, best Sunday school teacher I ever heard in my entire life. He knew the word of God like you know your last name. Boy, he had those big mitts. And he went up to visit the pastor who was his best friend. Mr. Dobbins gave the pastor his bank account. He said, go give this to the bank and tell them we're building a building. I'll vouch for it. That's, that was who Ed Dobbins was. And old Ed Dobbins laid his hand on the pastor. In the name of Jesus. Get up! Amen. Got work to do, pastor! Healed by the power of Almighty God. Send the Pentecostal preacher, my friend. Send the Pentecostal preacher. Don't come preach no funeral. Don't give me no dearth mark. Don't bring no singers with you. Oh, he's dying. Oh, he's dead. Oh, he's a goner. Hey, Jesus threw them out. He threw them out. When that little girl was dead in the back room and Jesus took Peter, James, and John and her parents and threw out those morning songs and spoke to that body and said, Damsel, I say unto thee, arise. And that spirit that left her body that was going down the corner of time turned around and climbed back in her body and the damsel was healed by the power of Jesus. You don't have to believe that. It's in your Bible. You can refute it. You can say it's not for today. Knock yourself out. Don't call me if you don't believe. Oh. Can I go on for a few more minutes? Even sojourners and strangers could take advantage of these cities, the hurting, the confused, and the wayward. Greater love had no man than this that he laid down his life for his friends, John 15 and 13. Cities of refuge provided a high priest, which was a type of Christ. His death caused the freedom of the accursed. 1 John 3.16 Hereby perceive we the love of God because he laid down his life for us and we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. There were six cities and they're found in the book of Joshua chapter 20 and verse 7 and 8. I won't read those verses but I want to read to you those cities and I want to tell you what those cities meant. God does not do one thing in the Bible by accident. There's not one number, there's not one jot or tittle that's out of place. He does not make any mistakes. And I'm a word person. I love words. Words to me is like music. It's poetry. When I look up words, I want to know what was God saying underneath the word? One of the cities was Kedesh, which meant holy place, where the church is holy. Make no mistake about it, my friend. Without holiness, no man will see God. You define holiness. It's not makeup or lack of makeup. 
It's not an earring or not an earring. It's not that. Man has put laws and rules and regulations. Yes, we should look modest and nice. I do not want my wife looking like a scarecrow. Like she can scare away a raccoon in the garden. Come on now. Are you hearing what I'm saying? It's just, it's just not right. It's just not right. And God is dressing his bride. And I don't think we're going to go in rags. I really don't. It's going to give us a crown. It's going to be jewels. Come on, man. Come on, friends. Come on here. Come on. People make sermons out of nonsense. Lipstick and lollipops. And condemn people to hell because they got a ring on. Come on, man. Get out of that. Grow a little bit. Pastors. Grow a little bit. Dig into the word and get a message. Not a bologna sandwich. Get a steak sandwich with some cheese. A Philly cheese steak. Praise God. And give it to the people on Sunday. And not a piece of bologna. Buy bologna for $1.69 a pound. No matter how thick you cut it. It's still bologna. It's a mixture. Not even going to go into that. I said it's a mixture. And that's what people are giving behind the pulpit. They're giving a mixture. Let me tell you how to feel good. Do these ten things and this will make you feel good. You know what's going to make me feel good? When you get a backbone. When you preach the word of God. And you tell me what Jesus said that he wants me to hear from your mouth and your heart because you've been in the throne room of grace. Kadesh, holy place. Shechem, I love this one. Shoulder or back. The Bible says the government was, the government of God is on his shoulder. But I like that word, shoulder or back, because... I can bring all my troubles, all my pain, all, all, everything that I just don't get sometimes, everything I don't understand, all my questions, I can put it on the back of God who's strong, who says to us, cast all thy care upon him for he careth for you. Put it on him. Our pastors say this, son, put the pressure on God. Why are you caring? Put the pressure on God. That's why he's there. Why are you carrying that baggage? Give it to him. Lay it at the cross. You're carrying unnecessary weight. Hebron. Fellowship and friendship. Where we are a friend of Jesus. Bezer was a remote fortress, a fortification. We're fortified by the word of God. Ramoth means high or exalted. Well, we exalt high, the name of Jesus. Exalt him. And Golem means rejoicing and joy with the joy of the Lord as our strength. Look, look at these words. Look, look, Kadesh, a holy place. Shechem is a place where you can put your 
stuff and put it on the shoulders of God. Hebron, where you can have friendship and fellowship with brothers and sisters and with the Lord Jesus. And, and Bezer is a place where you can find that remote fortress, that, that secret place, that, that holy place, that, that buckler, that fortification. And Ramoth is a place where you can come and worship God and praise God. And Golan is a place where you can rejoice and praise the Lord with joy and no one's going to make fun of you. Sounds like a Pentecostal church to me. I know I'm prejudiced. But if you were raised the way I was for the first 25 years, and you were in a birdcage, and they were scaring the hell out of you, telling you how bad God was and how he's going to get you with a hammer and break your head open. And when I found salvation... I said, this is not the God I was taught for all those years. Where did he come from? He came from the word of God. He came from the throne room of heaven. He was born of a virgin. He died on the cross. And he rose again on the third day. Now you hear me. I'm going to say one more thing to you here. I hope. I'm always closing. I said, I hope. We get three closes. I want want to show you the the mystery of God sometimes, how he reveals it to his people. To me, this is amazing. It may not be amazing to you. It's amazing to the people that have condemnation and guilt and shame in their life, even though Jesus has forgiven them. This is an amazing, amazing little piece of information. In Psalm 103, 12, it says this, as far as the east is from the west, so far hath he removed our transgressions from us. Do you know that the six cities, three cities were on the east of Jordan and three cities were on the west of Jordan? To let the people know that what I have forgiven, I have forgotten. Man, that should make you rejoice. That should make you say, praise God, hallelujah. There is therefore now no condemnation. There is therefore now no shame. There is no guilt. Why do we carry that unnecessary baggage? Tell me. Why? Back in the Old Testament, God was giving clues that he reveals to the present day church and saying, your sins is as far as the east to the west and the twain shall never meet. The church should be the healing center of the community. But let me just say one more thing. Thank you. You, as a Christian, should be a healing center for other people. To bring comfort, to bring joy, to bring truth. Come on, my friend. We are ambassadors for the kingdom of God, which means we are representatives of Christ that have been given to the world to speak to the world 
to those that God draws toward us. And you'll know when someone is being drawn toward you because only when the Father brings, only the Father can cause a person to come. He puts a hook in their nose and makes them inquisitive. And there you are. You say, Pastor, I've never been to theological seminary. That's okay. Most of them are cemeteries now. <laughs> but you have a testimony. How did they overcome? By the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. And sometimes when you sit down with another human being who has seen a great change in your life and they ask you this question, can I ask you a personal question? Sure. What happened to you? Where did you go and who kidnapped you? Oh, let's talk about that. And the door is open for you to speak to people and say, this is who I used to be and this is who I am now. Praise God. And when you give your testimony, you don't have to be a theologian. But when you give it from your heart yeah. and you've got tears streaming down your cheeks and that person is looking at you and then you're not, they know you're not a fake person and they know your life in the past and they're saying, man, there is a God, hallelujah. Yes. And there is a God in your life and I want that God yes. now. Yes. That's your opportunity. We are ambassadors yes. that bring comfort and refuge to the souls of men and women and boys and girls that are hurting terribly in this world at this time. Let us pray. Father, we've given our heart through you. We give you all glory and honor for the anointing of the Holy Spirit and for the words that have been spoken. And we thank you, Lord, that your lips, our lips, have spoken the words that were in your heart to transmit to your church. This is your church. These are your people. I'm merely an under-shepherd this desires to do your will and to speak your truth. And I thank you for the courage and the boldness that you give to do that. I pray you bless the people who would view this sermon or listen to it. I pray that you would touch them with your mighty hand because, God, I feel the faith of God in my soul this morning. I feel like, God, you can open up the Red Sea. I feel like, God, you can open up blind eyes and deaf ears. I feel like you can bring people out of wheelchairs, oh, God, that view, Lord, this sermon this morning in the name of Jesus. My faith is there because you have dropped that faith into my soul this morning. No matter what dilemma, no matter what storm, no matter what catastrophe or situation or circumstance, by faith, God desires to bring you through in the mighty name of Jesus and through his shed blood. Arise, my friend. Arise in your soul. Arise in your being. Stand to your feet in the name of Jesus Christ and proclaim, I am healed by the power of the living God. I am being restored and I am restored by the power and the blood of Jesus Christ. And I am healed by the stripes of Jesus. And in Jesus' name, I claim it, I receive it, I believe it, and I know that the word of God is true. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you, and thank you for listening.